everybody, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular, everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions in film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and today we'll be diving into the second film from the Queen of Pop herself, the 2011 movie W.E., written and directed by Madonna, starring Abby Cornish, James Darcy, Andrea Riseborough, Oscar Isaac, David Harbour, and Natalie Dormer. Renowned film critic Roger Ebert wrote of the film, I suppose the monotonous tone of the spoken dialogue may be accurate. The Duke and Duchess don't seem to be demonstrative. Were they witty? Did they joke with each other? Did they say things lovers say? Did they actually ever have sex? After seeing the film, I don't have a clue. The Guardian called this film a primped and simpering folly. But Vulture wrote that Madonna's W.E. is a mess, but an interesting one. And so here we are today to dive into a film that was made. As always, I am joined by my two fabulous co-hosts. First, a man who loves a good auction. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, how do you win an auction? The only way to win is by not playing. (laughs) Ivan, how much would you pay for a pair of gloves? Oh, a lot less than she did in this movie, (laughs) let me tell you. Also back with us today, a woman who's committed to owning the twist well into her 80s. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, uh, in terms of songs that have their own dances, where does the twist rank for you? Oh, man. I mean, there's a certain simplicity to it at the same time. If you told me to replicate it right now, would I be able to do it? I don't know. I'll give it a solid. I'll give it a seven out of ten. A seven out of 10. That's pretty high. I I would put it below electric slide above Harlem Shake. That's that's valid. (laughs) The the electric slide's kind of the best one. Did Harlem, is Harlem Shake a dance move or just a a thing? I don't know if it's like, is there a dance, an actual dance? Uh, You know what? You, you caught me. I only had like a vague awareness of what was going on with that phenomenon 10 years ago. So, I mean, I just assumed it was a dance, but little do I know. Well, that's what that's where everybody is is still right for like a period of time, and then the Harlem Shake begins and just balls to the wall craziness. I'm not sure if there's an actual dance, but I I, I think it does fit into the genre. So I think you points. have to like flail your upper body. It's that... just flailing your upper body. <laughs> so, so 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 this is why it's ranked below the twist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Usually we disclaim that, you know, we don't know anything about the royal family. And so we're just going to assume that things that happened in the movie are real. Obviously, this is uh, at least half fictitious. The story of, of Wally, um, oh my God, Wally Winthrop is completely fictitious, uh, or so we believe. I think we're, we're going to be comparing what we know about David and Wallace um, in The Crown to the way that they were portrayed here. So... Again, we don't know, like, we're not historians. We're basing everything, I guess, that we saw in this movie off of what we saw in The Crown. So if you're here for some uh, clarity on the accuracy of the portrayal, I, I, we got nothing for you. But neither does this movie. So you know what? We're all, we're all on the same page. So to get things kicked off, Carlin, can you recap this movie for us? I, I can give it a solid try. So we have two storylines. Um, we have, of course, like the courtship and the romance of Wallace Simpson, who was a, I guess at the point, a twice married, I guess so once divorcee, twice married, like American socialite who got into like the inner, like the social circle of King Edward, who is Bertie's brother. And then we have the storyline of <laughs> this. This woman in the 90s named Wally, 
who was named after Wallace Simpson. Oops, <laughs> look at that coincidence. And she's she's married to this kind of like horrible psychiatrist. And uh, he made her like not have a job anymore. And they're like trying to have kids. It's not working. Wally's clearly like not having a good time. And so basically she finds out that they're doing this auction of Wallace Simpson's and King Edward's like items that they owned. And she becomes like really (laughs) interested in this. And in the process, she meets this like Russian. I think he's like a security guard played by Oscar Isaac. And, like, you know, they kind of, like, befriend each other while, like, her marriage continues to plummet. And uh, let's see what else happens. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, with Wallace, we kind of learn the the broad strokes of what we already know. And if you don't know, basically, she became one of Edward's mistresses. At the time, he, he was just kind of a bachelor. He didn't really have a any really good wife options and it really upset the king at the time as well as kind of the rest of the royal family that he was having this relationship with this i guess at this point twice divorced woman who they can't do that you know and she doesn't appear to be able to have kids i don't think she has kids but like she's also had a fraught history with fertility and it's just like it's a bad time and basically edward gives up the throne for her but in this version we get a little bit more from wallace who's like kind of doesn't want to have Edward do all this. Like, it seems like he's the one putting forth the idea to, like, for them to get together in the first place and then for him to go up the throne. And she, like, feels more like she's going to be hated for this and that she eventually feels kind of trapped in this idea of this, like, grandiose romance that he ultimately gave up, like, his country for. So we get more, you know, emotions there. <laughs> so that that kind of, you know, follows the, that plot. And uh, with Wally... I mean, you know, her marriage continues to get worse to the point where she has like a full on brawl with her husband and like gets real beat up. And then Oscar Isaac swoops in to save her and uh, he takes her away to like, I think his apartment, like a safe place away from her terrible husband. And uh, they sleep together and uh, she gets pregnant. So I guess it was the psychiatrist all along. And I guess that's how she's now happy. And she also, oh, I forgot about the auction. Yeah, (laughs) when the auction happens, she bids on like a pair of Wallace's gloves. And it's like, I think she pays like $10,000 for them. And then meanwhile, she's also kind of being visited by like the ghost of Wallace. I didn't really know what's going on there, but I think she's like giving her, trying to give her some confidence. (laughs) And uh, so she gets some confidence in the end because of Wallace's ghost. Thanks, Carlin. I've been thinking a lot about where to begin this conversation because I literally, (laughs) and I'm still at a loss because this movie gave me whiplash. Um, It switches between timelines at a whim. And I guess my, my question is, is this supposed to be like the real David and Wallace story? Or is this like the just like fabricated version that Wally has thought up in her brain. Like we're not supposed to take any historical accuracy from this. Oh, when you put it that way, that that actually makes the whole movie somewhat more forgivable. (laughs) Do we think that um, Madonna and the writer thought about that though? Or were they just kind of like aesthetic? Yeah, that's a good question. So I guess for context, I, I know we're not supposed to look a bunch of stuff up historically, but I feel like looking things up about the production of the movie is a gray area. So um, apparently Madonna was very like, I don't know if I should make this movie, but her husband at the time, Guy Ritchie, was like, 
you should make this movie. And so then she was like, well, I don't know if I have enough you know, expertise in this area. So she got a writer to help her write the movie. So she is a co-writer on the movie. Um, and then something else that I noticed, uh, that I saw that was interesting is that apparently, originally the role of Wally was supposed to go to Vera Farmiga. Yes, I read oh. that too. I broke the rules just as you did. Yeah, can you imagine how different this would be if Vera Farmiga was allowed to play the role of Wally? I mean, you mean she would also be wasted? <laughs> yeah, no, she she dodged the bullet. I don't know. I feel like Vera Farmiga brings a different energy. She does. But I didn't understand this character. Yeah, no, her character made very little sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess broad strokes. Ivan, uh, how do we rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 10? Okay, so uh, let me back up and, and say that I, I vehemently believe that nobody sets out to make a bad movie. And, and even the worst of the worst films have their moments uh you know they they have just fleeting glimpses of of creative energy that just never really realized its full potential and i saw a lot of that sprinkled throughout this film uh, but it, it was just so god awful i think the problem for me was that there was just was there a plot it was very loose if so yeah i it felt like um you were said this in a different episode about how like it felt like a wikipedia like, but it felt like someone skimmed the Wikipedia article for David and Wallace, and that's what we were presented of them on screen. And then Wally, I, I don't know. Very weird use of frame narrative that didn't really go anywhere, that felt thematically relevant to David and Wallace. So, uh, And they had the same name. That felt very hokey. Why'd you do that? <laughs> I, 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 think, I think it bears mentioning, like, like, a little bit how this movie begins really just sets the tone for the whole thing because initially we we get like a sort of establishing um set of shots uh re regarding um uh, Wallace uh at at what point some point back in like the 20s or 30s and then uh, before we've even had a chance to like settle into that environment all of a sudden it's 1998 it's Manhattan and and we're introduced <laughs> to the the modern day character however like we see her for what to me felt like a few seconds before before all of a sudden we're we're back in like the 20s or 30s and Wallace is about to take a bath and then her husband comes home and he's very abusive and he uh, kicks her in the stomach and she's pregnant she falls to the floor like naked and, and in agony and and suddenly starts bleeding and it's like so visceral and but but here's the thing i was so confused in that moment because we had just been introduced to like two different characters like in very rapid succession and through throughout that scene I, I didn't even know which one it was happening to yes oh my god yeah i was like cuz i thought we were still in 98 but then i'm like oh uh like yeah no those those like faucets and tubs look very antiquated but i i thought this was like quote unquote present day. Oh, I was just lost. And and that confusion really like it doesn't it gradually goes away, but not initially, because they just keep cutting like the first 20 minutes, they are just cutting back and forth between the past and the present day just rapidly. And then uh, eventually it starts it starts to stabilize a little bit, but it, it is just a whirlwind of an introduction. I mean, I feel like that's the premise of the whole movie, right? So Wally is this woman who for some unknown reason, was named after Wallace Simpson. Terrible choice. 
because I guess both her mother and grandmother had this obsession with Wallace Simpson. And so Wally seems to like just imagine herself as Wallace Simpson and every situation that Wally finds herself in, she's able to like draw a parallel between what she believes Wallace Simpson went through, (laughs) Um, which we don't even know if it's historically accurate, but yeah, when she, so her relationship with her, Oh my God. Part of me wonders if we should just go character by character, starting with Wally. (laughs) So Wally is in a terrible relationship, as Carlin, you mentioned, and I don't understand why she can't leave and why at the very least she can't just go get a job because it seems like she has a job, kind of. Yeah, I don't know how she keeps getting into the... (laughs) Like, they leave it very vague. Wait, okay, so so help me out here. I know she wasn't working, uh, you know, at the time that the film begins, but... What was her job previously and what was it like once she kind of got back into it? Was she working for Sotheby's? I don't know. <laughs> I guess. They, she seemed to know a lot of people there. She she seemed to know the one of the, the women that like works for, for the auction that works for Sotheby's. But I don't know if this was like a work friendship or, or just she incidentally knew her. But I, I was confused because we, you know, she goes back to work and she's, you know, answering phones for someone. But we have no idea like what what the context of that job is but i guess she gets her job back at the end because at the end she's like let me go read these letters and (laughs) imagine like pitching this movie and being like you know the climax of this movie she reads a bunch of letters in an empty room (laughs) again it probably could have been done well in the stuffy period piece drama but uh no it didn't really work for this (laughs) Do you think uh, Madonna was inspired by the movie Julie and Julia, which also had like the whole historical fiction narrative sort of like spliced with like kind of a a modern day? I, I forget if it was I forget if like both sides of that story were true to life, but, you know, just kind of like a uh, yeah, more more like, you know, modern day, like kind of fictional narrative sort of, you know, spliced with like a historical narrative and and. I think that movie came out maybe a few years before this movie went into production. It definitely does seem like a um that makes a lot of sense. My theory was that she was just trying to like really ham hand ham fistedly show that like Wallace Simpson's story is still relevant to the modern audience, but like did it in the nineties. Which is such a bit because it's like there's so many suggestions that can be made here for how to improve this movie but like the biggest and most obvious one was that you just did not need that modern day narrative like if this had just been like a a a sparkly kind of like you know aesthetically like wild you know kind of sensationalized like historical fiction narrative of just david and wallace like it, it probably had like half a chance of being a decent movie or at least one that you know has its has its positives yeah for sure definitely agree with that yeah i'm gonna yeah the present day narrative which it's not really present day right it's the 90s for some reason (laughs) it's 98 like but but it feels like it's the yeah it's weird that she like yeah that she said it it, oh i guess she said it in 98 because that's when uh the auction occurred uh and wait was that also when wallace died or i think she died in the 80s yeah i think the end card said 80s okay Okay, yeah. So I guess like, yeah, it just happened to be set, uh, you know, the year that their estate was auctioned off. Um, Because like, yeah, otherwise it would have been really weird for Madonna to pick that. Maybe she wanted to harken back to a time where she was more culturally relevant. (laughs) 
<laughs> Where's our Madonna reference <laughs> in the movie? Yeah, I would say the best part about the present day timeline was the acting from Oscar Isaac, who this is like a pre-Inside Lewin Davis performance. So you see the potential out of a, a young Oscar Isaac. At the same time, why is he Russian? I don't really understand. It had no significant impact on the greater story. And uh, yeah, I could have done without the rest of it. Yeah, I don't I don't know. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is also the year that Oscar Isaac was in Drive. So they were just having him do like accents like at that <laughs> point in his career. Props to him for like sticking through with that because that's just very frustrating. <laughs> oh, he was just chugging along through the darkness. He could you could just see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I think for us, like us three, having watched season two of The Crown, I'm sure you both will agree with me on this. It became very hard to root for Wally right from the beginning when they're like, hey, David was like kind of a Nazi. And she's like, eh, but was he? (laughs) Okay, yeah. Madonna, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, I I was actually very surprised that they called attention to that, especially toward the end. Um, Because, yeah, uh, yeah, it seems like they were really just trying to be hand wavy with with that whole thread. Oh, it's so bad. (laughs) Yeah. And then Uh. so this is all right. So I guess we can we can cut to like our perspective of of David and Wallace here. So after watching this movie, I think what I wanted to get out of it was more of a sense of like what makes Wallace so appealing? Like why? Why does she uh, seem to draw the king's eye? I don't know still. Like, what is it about Wallace that is so appealing to people? Wait, was Vera Farmiga going to play Wallace or Wally? Wally. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, uh, honestly. Yeah, then I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all this Wally space, they could have spent, like, developing Wallace and uh, at least making you want to root for her to get this marriage. Uh, I don't get it. Um, there was that sequence with the sex pistols, like, put on top that, Really made me angry, actually, because um, it wasn't the seventies, <laughs> yeah. so you can't just put the Sex Pistols in in an eighties. Like you can, you can do that in a movie that like already like already has established itself as using like anachronistic music. Like you know, if you think about you know like the the Baz Luhrmann like great Gatsby adaptation it's like you know it's just filled with modern day music or like Romeo plus Juliet but this movie didn't do that for for 60 minutes and then all of a sudden (laughs) sex pistols but yeah so she had a dance she had a little dance but that was and like it was mentioned that like she wrote his letters or something but I wish we had like seen David struggle more to understand like what well Wallace filled like in his life Uh, we didn't get any of that like there was no really nuanced character work to like establish why they worked david just kind of fell in love with her like hardcore yeah like stalkerish hardcore (laughs) very much so and again like i don't i don't see what was wallace particularly charismatic i don't I, i can't even say that she was i mean it seems like her friend like thelma had had like equal charisma and and he he was already locking her down although i don't know if we can call thelma a friend necessarily (laughs) they had some really weird energy why do all the women look the same in this movie also? Yes. No, they all have a different hair really color. Dr- yeah, that, that drove me bonkers. Like, they, like, I, I could not, like, tell them apart. In fact, the scene where uh, she starts dancing uh, with uh, David, I couldn't tell if that was her or if that was Thelma. <laughs> yeah, and it's really important <laughs> to know that. Yeah. 
Carlin, you mentioned this before, but um, there is a there's a line in the movie where um, Wallace comments about how she writes all of David's letters, and David from The Crown would have something to say about that, I'm sure. Oh yeah, he he is good at writing letters too, Wallace. <laughs> I guess the thesis of the movie, if we have to condense it into one sentence, is hey, Wallace was a victim too. <laughs> right like they do so much work to portray wallace as like you know what we always get edward's pers or we always get david's perspective but hey what about wallace she was a victim i just that makes me so mad that that is the thesis because they could have like just cut all the wally and given us like more <laughs> reason to see wallace as a victim because it kind of makes sense a little bit like i feel very confused with what the crown showed us but there could be some like truth and nuance of between the two. But come on, guys. I, I mean, in, in fairness, if, if, if that's the, the perspective that this movie was trying to paint, that, you know, she gave up just as much uh, uh, as he had to, then, you know, mission accomplished. But it was not subtle at all. They really <laughs> beat you over the head with it. They do. Yeah. Yeah. And the scene at the end. So the Wally story ends with her. I guess taking her quote unquote taking her life back in the form of going to read these old letters that were written by Wallace Simpson. And she has to go to Paris to this this man's house who has the letters. And he did not auction them off in the Sother Sotheby's auction. He still holds them because he's very concerned with the perspective. And Wally is like, well, you know, I'll read them from the perspective of Wallace, but they were written by Wallace. So what other perspective is there? <laughs> <laughs> what's she gonna do i don't know <laughs> that didn't make that whole end didn't make sense to me did she look like Charlize theron with dark hair to you guys um, um a little bit yeah yeah a little bit I, i've yeah. seen her in things before i think i've seen her in things before too and in fact i like going through her imdb i've seen her in lots of things but things i can't remember slash can't remember her role in yeah exactly like who did she play in limitless i don't really remember I mean, I saw Limitless, and I, and I remember enjoying it at the time, but, like, the only thing you remember about that movie is Bradley Cooper. Uh, yeah. I I watched Sucker Punch once. I feel like I do remember her, and I, I do vaguely remember her role in Jack Ryan. She's, like, an FBI agent, or she has a government role. Uh, I, I mean, it, I, I, I cannot speak to her her acting prowess here, because, like, given what she, what she was delivered and like what she had to work with then you know, like there's just there's no there's no point critiquing her her performance uh carlin you texted me while you were watching the movie or you texted both of us and you were very concerned that james darcy would be underutilized and now after having seen the movie what is what is the assessment here yeah i mean honestly um so i'm going to use a long long metaphor for this so i didn't know david was blonde and it felt like all the life was drained out of him and like that was the result was like he came up pale and blonde compared to like other edward portrayals we've seen like it, it just felt very like i don't know they felt like little wood puppets like him and birdie <laughs> like there there was just i didn't there was so little that i kind of got out of those performances so i do think he was underutilized i do he's a handsome man but uh that's about it I actually thought his performance was like kind of reminiscent of the uh, uh, the guy Pierce performance in the King's Speech. Like they were hmm. both kind of like, you know, these sort of like kind of beady eyed, like, you know, blonde guys that were overly confident and, and had, you know, 
a lot of charisma uh, and and kind of self assurance. And and like I, I mean, the, they, the two of them actually look kind of similar too. It it, it was throwing me off a little bit because mm-hmm. I, I remember that you know Guy Pierce performance in the King's Speech was just so different from uh, you know what we were seeing in the Crown. But here, like this one, I think was more more similar to that rather than yeah rather than. I don't even know the actor from The Crown because he he didn't leave an impression. Wait, the actor from The Crown didn't leave an impression for you? Uh, I mean, not like not not enough to to get me to look up the name of the actor. I mean, do you know the name of that actor? No, I don't. But he's like the one that I found the most compelling. That's interesting. Okay. So that actually kind of brings me to another point. It's like my I think the strongest part of the movie, and it was very brief, and it was just for the sake of servicing kind of like a pivotal moment in the story is when, uh, uh, you know, David is delivering his abdication speech. And I remember thinking like, this is now like the third time we've seen this scene because we saw it in the King's speech. We saw it in the crown. And this, I think was probably like the weakest, like, uh, you know, adaptation of that scene, but it was the best part of this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, I think the the problem is that like the other times that we've watched this scene, it's been very much about David, to some extent about Birdie too, but I just feel like there's more emotional resonance. Like here, you hear the words, it's mostly a voiceover, and you're just seeing these flashes of like, sad Wallace, sad Ernest. Like, (laughs) yes. Like, I don't know. It just like, those don't resonate with me. Although I will say like, I feel bad for Ernest. He, it feels like he was done dirty. I had no, I had no beef with him. Yeah, I mean, his only flaw was that he wasn't a prince. That, like, <laughs> like that's that's the only reason he lost. He he seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. And then we had to watch the scene with uh, him and David being like, "Well, I guess I guess Wallace is yours now." So awkward. <laughs> oh, that was weird. Like, why was it transactional? <laughs> I mean, I guess in the '30s with the royal family. I don't know. But actually, oh, so, so going back to those flashes and just like the general aesthetic of this movie um, was just all over the place because like I, I would say like, you know, every, you know, five minutes uh, and actually probably like more frequently in that in some of like the more artsy sequences. But the the entire uh, the kind of look of the film changes for like brief fleeting shots where all of a sudden it's you know grainy and things are out of focus and it's lit differently and it it basically looks like it's out of like some kind of like perfume commercial or 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 some (laughs) kind of like ad that's trying to capture like this very like you know uh mid 20th century kind of european aesthetic and it was really distracting because like it, it, it actually it stopped looking like a film and started looking like a commercial for some kind of like you know fashion or accessories or something of that like yeah i mean you noticed this right i noticed more so some really strange like cinematography choices um like there's one scene where That's like i'm saying wally like goes into a hallway and then it like really rapidly like dollies <gasps> out of the hallway yeah <laughs> yeah that was such a just like unnecessary shot and and then there was another moment where um apparently when you're in love and this is news to me. You chase your lover around a tree like three times. And so <laughs> <laughs> and the camera just like, fo- they would walk around the tree in a circle. And the camera was like following them around the tree. And it was bizarre. 
those were just two of the things I noticed. Okay, so so l- let's focus on the positives. I'd like to ask you both, like, Carlin, what did you like about this movie? I guess I thought, okay, if we're ignoring all the weird lighting, random, like, changes to that, I did think it had a sort of, like, slick, artsy quality to it. It was, for the most part, a pretty, like, a pretty film, you know? I I did think it had the it had the prettiness. Um I think ultimately I guess this counts like the idea of having like showing Wallace as like a fully formed person who like did have to suffer consequences for this the same way David did. I think that's really refreshing because she's definitely like otherwise in other media like painted as this sort of villain in I guess Bertie and kind of Elizabeth's story too, like the royal family story. She's kind of the villain, so I did like that sort of perspective change. Yeah, I like so I liked Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac was a plus. I like the idea of like a present day Wally, just like all like having like Wallace Simpson just like talk to her. But I wish it was more in like a Venom capacity, <laughs> where <laughs> Wallace is just like telling her like. I don't know, kill your abusive husband. And then she does. Like, I feel like they didn't go hard enough with this, this theme. They Uh, didn't. Every time both of them were in a scene together, I just groaned. Like, it it was, it was awful from like the very first time, like, you know, Wallace kind of enters the modern day narrative and sort of talks over Wally's shoulder. I mean, oh, so bad. But you know, you know what I liked? Like, one thing that I really liked about this movie, and it's something that we were given tragically little of. And that was Natalie Dormer as Queen Elizabeth. Yes, like Natalie. Yes. I mean, it was a it was a very like different take on on what we've seen of her before. I mean, like obviously, the, the, like this is taking place like roughly around the same time that uh, uh, King's Speech did. Um, so you know, we we've seen what she was kind of going through with with uh, Birdie at that time when she was played by Helena Bonham Carter. But I think uh, you know this very sort of like judgy version of queen elizabeth that is extremely disapproving of david i mean we we've already seen that in in other adaptations but here it it was like really like they really shown the spotlight on it because she like i mean she just like ah she had some choice words yeah Yeah. which honestly that informs more of the crown than any of the other adaptations where you're like oh i guess that's why david and elizabeth queen mother are rivals yeah for sure one thing that I did find a little bit surprised, or not surprising, but uh, I was a little bit curious about, though, was so one of the scenes that Natalie Dormer is in, she is in, like, the parents' bedroom. So I guess Queen, or sorry, King George and, you know, the Queen Mother at the time. And George says Uh something like, nobody's going to get in the way of Bertie and Elizabeth being on the throne. And that confused me. Like, is this premeditated? (laughs) Like, what's happening? I didn't think they wanted that. Yeah, that that was bizarre. But like, what what did he mean by that? Like, yeah, okay, like 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 let's let's assume he was already anticipating abdication, and now he was just now he just kind of already sort of has settled into the idea that Birdie's going to be king, and now he's saying like, oh, not not nothing can can stop this train. But like, what additional obstacles would have even been able to come in the way at that point? I mean, I don't know if like. David and Wallace had had kids if there would have been like enough public approval that they would have been like pressured into letting that kid be heir I don't know oh I and see. like they don't want like a half American uh, heir speaking hmm. of Bertie uh, I think it's safe to say this is the worst on-screen depiction of him that we have seen it, like 
by far. I mean, like they they literally just took the stutter and and made that the whole performance. But also, can you imagine being told like, hey, can you like play the King of England? But like, I'm going to give you like two minutes of screen time. Can I have another question? So the the title of this film is called W.E. And the W.E. is for Wallace and Edward, duh, as one character says. But if Wallace was really close, wouldn't it be? I don't understand. Wouldn't it be W.D.? Wallace and David? I I was thinking that. (laughs) And and like, alternatively, I was thinking like, could it be Wallace Ernest? (laughs) That's it's actually a pro Wallace Ernest film. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sold me on on that relationship. I know. David Harbour, I feel like, uh, also underutilized here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they did get like a lot of high-profile actors in this movie. They did, and I want to know if they're all disappointed. I mean, but but like before they were famous. Before they were fa- No, I mean, this was like before... I mean, this was before David Harbour was David Harbour and Oscar Isaac was Oscar Isaac, and, and to a large degree, Natalie Dormer, like, being Natalie Dormer. Like, th- this was before all of them became household names. Long before. Yeah. So good eye to the casting person, I guess. Yeah, good casting director. There's more we could get into with the present day story. I mean, as much as I like Oscar Isaac's, um, you know, acting here, his actual story is very creepy. Like, I would not go with Oscar Isaac to his creepy dungeon house. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. And then he's just stalk- he so he's a security guard, but he kind of just stalks her on the security cam, and his security guard uh, coworker is just like, you know. Oscar Isaac is going to Oscar Isaac. What can you do? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. So I know he probably has like one of the better security uh, jobs you could have in New York City. I mean, it's like it's fancy security. But like on that salary, is he affording that apartment in New York? (laughs) I don't think so. No, like it's a it was a very, very spacious apartment. I mean, I guess, you know, it seems like it was kind of out there um, above ground subway. And also, though there was no paint on the wall. Like I said, it was a dungeon apartment. So <laughs> I guess pros and cons. It's a rustic interior, Sam. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but like for every good performance in this movie, there is one that is just god awful. So like Oscar <laughs> Isaac, yes, we love him. But whoever that actor was that, that played her psychiatrist husband, that was just, uh, I mean... Uh, just a a piss poor performance by like every measure. Like, I I I don't know how they didn't recast him. I mean, he didn't have much to work with. In fairness, I feel like they were basic. I feel like the direction was just like you're so mad right now. Go. Um, so- I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Wally's big through line, right, is she wants to get pregnant. For some reason, she wants to bring a child into this chaos. She wants to do IVF because it hasn't been working for, did she say six years they've been trying to have a kid? I guess. Sure. I, Something like that. But I was always confused. Like, is she doing the IVF? Because there would be these weird flashes of like her doing the needle, but then her like closing the hormone like things back up. And then she would smash them all. And then her hands are bleeding. And then she's pregnant, but is it Oscar Isaac's baby? I guess that's what I assume. I, I think that's what we're led to assume. Yeah, yeah. Because like she, she, she eventually like gave up on on the treatments, and when she, especially as she became more and more sure that her husband was having an affair, uh, you know, she didn't 
want to get pregnant with him. And so that's why she started smashing those vials. Come on, Sam. Didn't you pay attention? Oh, man. I, this was the first movie that we've watched uh, in this endeavor where I had to like stop halfway through and be like, I need to take a minute. <laughs> I couldn't watch it all in one in one sitting. Want to, want to hear something terrible? This is the first movie or, or really anything we've had to watch that I had to pay for out of pocket. Why? It's on Netflix, no? Uh, I For some reason, uh, uh, and I don't think we've officially revealed this to our listeners yet, but I am uh, currently living in the Netherlands. And, and despite uh, my VPN w- usually doing an impeccable job, for some reason, I just could not get it to show up in the Netflix li- library no matter where I had my VPN set to. So I had to rent it on Google Play for $3 plus tax. Oh, oh no. I <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, of 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 everything we've discussed, it had to be this. If one day, if one day this podcast blows up and you get a corporate card, you have permission to retroactively charge <laughs> this Just movie like to the corporate account. Somewhere, somewhere out there, like next quarter, Abby Cornish is going to get a royalty check because of me. Uh, I mean, I guess you can feel kind of good about that, right? At least something good came out of it, I guess. (laughs) I just want to know, like, can they watch the statistics rise and just be like, ah, three people watched it. Yeah, like a 300% increase (laughs) in viewership of this title this quarter. Let's start giving, let's start servicing these people ads for Hyde Park on Hudson now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I would, I would rather watch Hyde Park on Hudson than this movie. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it, it it really does seem like they are distant relatives in some way. It it does yeah. kind of. Yeah, this movie somehow managed to be so graphic and yet show us nothing at the same time. So I think, on the whole, if you are listening and you're like, "Should I watch We?" You could probably skip it because we've recapped basically the whole movie in the course of half an hour. And I don't know that you'll get necessarily anything uh, additional in terms of like quality filmmaking out of this. Uh, Will you learn anything about Wallace and David? Honestly, I feel like if we didn't know anything about Wallace and David from The Crown, we'd be pretty lost in this movie. I feel like you, you definitely kind of needed to have some knowledge of them coming in. Yeah, agreed. Well, yeah, exactly, because I don't think uh, they ever really, like, sit down and properly explain to the audience, like, the uh, mechanics of, like, why the abdication needed to happen or, like, you know, whether, like, yeah, they didn't even really pull much of the constitutional, like, politics into play. They just made kind of offhand references to them with the assumption that we all knew what was going on here. Yeah, so I think to that degree, if you are coming to this movie to learn something, You'd be very hard pressed to do so, man. Is there anything we? <laughs> There's obviously things we didn't talk about yet, but like, is there anything that we need to discuss about this movie that we have not touched upon to this point? Oh, um, I guess the only real question I had is when Wally discovered that Muhammad Al Fayed had those letters. Like, did I understand correctly that her plan to like get access to them was to say that she was a writer? working on a book and for that reason they invited her to to paris to to look at the letters does that is that what happened i guess also can i find it very strange that 
there is no I mean they played it on purpose but like there's no reference to Diana in like the 90s part when like it's you would think someone would hearken this back to whatever's happening like a lot is happening in modern day royal affairs at this point I don't know it felt it was so weird like did were you supposed to assume what happened to the royal family well, well, what was it? Wasn't that where Muhammad Al Fayed uh, comes into play? Like, wasn't his son uh, uh, Diana's lover before she died? I think so. And th- no one is like, because you'd almost think you would assume it was like a, um, like a Diana fanatic at that point, who was like just kind of trying to get any angle and being like, ah, oh, I guess I'll uh, talk about Wallace and then uh, do some parallels, get some yeah. big bucks. Well, I- that actually like brings up brings up a good point. I mean, you you could argue that like if you were going to do like a uh, you know kind of split uh, you know time era uh, film here, then you could have just had this be uh, a story of Diana and her her final years, uh, just kind of dealing with having had the loss of anonymity and and kind of really kind of paralleling the sacrifice that Wallace was making. You could have. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, I, I just found it strange. That you had said it in the 90s, like in this very significant part of royal family history, and then just like never mention it. And it's definitely a choice, right? Because the movie was made in like 2011. Yeah. So what? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So Ivan, you think that this is a real auction that happened? Uh, oh, I mean, I, I, I would assume so, right? Oh, that's the significance of it being set in the 90s? Yeah, I think, it, it, I hope so. Otherwise, why'd you make that choice? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like if it wasn't set in ninety, if the, that wasn't a real life auction in ninety eight, then yeah, that is perplexing. Okay, so the other thing I did want to mention, we had one pug sighting, which was fun. So that is at least one thing that is consistent between this movie and the and the Crown. Oh yeah, love their pugs. Love these weird dogs that don't really make sense that these royals have. So good. <laughs> yeah. At the end of this movie, I don't feel confident about Wally. She still needs really serious therapy. <laughs> and she doesn't seem like she's going to get it. Yeah, no, she needs help. She needs some serious help. And it's not just about her, like, seeing Wallace, like, in her everyday life. It's, like, just the the obsession that she just has in general. When they go to Paris, she's like, am I staying in the Duke and Duchess of Windsor suite? Did they Did they stay here? I don't know, just... You need to move on. Move on. Yeah, no, it's weird. It wasn't even her obsession. And then we never got any connection between her and like her mom or grandma where you're like, oh, there's like an emotional connection to Wallace. It's just like, ah, I'm going to start being obsessed with this person. But I guess that that happens to me. But Sam, she is moving on like that. That I think that was the whole point at the end where she gives the gloves to Ghosta Wallace, basically saying, like, I don't need this anymore. Um, And by the way, I want to know, like, what was literally happening in that moment? Was she (laughs) leaving a ten thousand dollar pair of gloves on a park bench in New York City? (laughs) She she did. And uh, some random person just picked those up and was like, hey. This looks nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. T- no, they're gonna toss that into the trash because they're yeah. not gonna know the significance. Oh, you're right. Well, they are. Ten thousand is arbitrary. Ten thousand is her value of the gloves. I think actual value is what ninety five hundred based on other people's value. <laughs> no, no, didn't didn't the uh, the auction house at the be- at the start of the auction say that they're valued at one hundred to one hundred fifty dollars? Like before the bidding started, I thought that's what I heard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my yeah. god. No, I did hear that. Yeah, and she spent ten thousand on that. I mean, look, her husband deserves it. Like, just spend ten thousand on some gloves and run. Oof. I think we've said we, enough. I think we said enough too. There were plenty of kinky moments in this episode. Um This movie. Oh, sorry, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> please please don't tell me there are more episodes. <laughs> No, no more episodes, just this movie. Sorry. Uh, Carlin, did you notice anything kinky that happened in this movie? Yeah, um, I think there's a really obvious one I'll let someone else take unless they don't find it. But I think it's really obvious. But the one I'm going to put up is um, the mirror scene where like it's Wallace and Wally where she's in like the lingerie and the husband like comes in like, am I interrupting anything? And you're just like, what is this? <laughs> I, I think that Wally and Wallace actually had um, romantic tension for no good reason, and that's my that's my. Opinion. I agree, but I thought there was more tension at the end of the movie where they're both standing in the park and Wallace puts her hand on Wally's cheek. Oh, true. Yeah, but I think it's it can definitely all be wrapped into one the the sexual tension between <laughs> Wally and her fantasized Wallace. All right, I guess since I don't have that much imagination, I'm going to go with the one that I assume Carlin was uh, referencing, which is uh, uh, Wallace and Thelma on the bed. Oh, I was talking about something else. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So I'm, I'm going with like the, the, the sexual tension between the two of them. I, I had that as well. This is the moment when Wallace asks Thelma if she calls David your Royal Highness when they're having sex, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. There's obviously, you know, when Wallace and Ernest first get to, where is it, Fort Belvedere, I believe is where they are. Um, Wallace is like, you're going to let me dance with the prince, right? And Ernest is like, yeah, I can share, basically. So that's a little kinky to his detriment. Well, oh, oh, no. Well, no, okay, actually, that was like another, um, uh, that like part of the movie was another like kind of like save the cat moment for Ernest because like you know she asks like oh will you you know get upset if I dance with the prince and he says uh, you know I'll be upset if you don't and it's like oh okay this guy's solid <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so my other one was like there was this one scene with the security guard and like security guard one looking at Oscar Isaac and I think Wally and like some champagne like spilled out mm-hmm I, that was my other one. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> to to that scene as well. Um, Oscar Isaac comes out and he's wearing a kilt for some reason, and I think kilts are a little bit kinky as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that especially whole scene. in that setting. Oscar Isaac's kilt. Oscar Isaac's kilt. Um, there was a line. Um, when uh, it's like Wallace and David are chatting. It's after the king has made his big speech about, you know, how people in Wales are good people living in bad conditions. Um, and they're talking about his job. And then it spontaneously becomes like a party. And this woman, Connie, comes in and she says, I hope you don't mind. I've brought some thirsty friends. <laughs> I feel like back then it meant like two things. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had Wally being the big spoon on the couch at the end of the movie um, when she's in Oscar Isaac's apartment. Like so specifically, like the spooning was the the kinky part of that. Yes, exactly. That's all I had. Okay. Yeah, Ivan, where are we where are we where are we falling on this? Oh, gee. Well, I mean, okay. So for all of the Wallace and Wally stuff, are we just kind of like lumping all that in into one nomination, just like the general kind of sexual tension between the two of them? I think we should. I think so. Uh, yeah. Then that'll be my vote. All right. 
Carlin, where are you falling on this? Uh, I agree with Ivan. I feel like that was like the standout moment of this movie. I agree. Um, I'll make it three for three. So congratulations to Wally and Wallace. One and the same. The same person, but two different people, but the same person. Uh, congratulations, <laughs> you won <laughs> this week's Kinky Crown Award. All right. Well, that was W.E. And I think I speak for all of us when I say we're done with this. We can move on now. Um, Ivan, where are we going from here? Oh, uh, we, we've got some ideas uh, bouncing around. I, I think uh, tune in next time and you'll see. But but I I feel like the listeners will be delighted. It'll be a good one. Cool. So that was W.E. from writer-director Madonna. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the by the way like i i think like despite how ridiculous like this movie was like overall it, it, it's there was still just something about like at the end of seeing directed by madonna that just made me laugh all over again <laughs> like a prayer did this movie take you there <laughs> like a virgin it did <laughs> uh all right ivan if people want to find you on social media where can where can they do that uh, just go to the Sotheby's auction house. I'll be the guy, you know, bidding probably like, honestly, fifteen thousand on those gloves. Carlin, what about you? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us, if you have any questions about the podcast or any recommendations of things that fall kind of within the Crown season two early season three era, the best place you can do that is uh, at Twitter at crown around pod. If for some reason you're a WE fan and you just happen to drop in to this episode for some reason, you can find all of our earlier episodes. Hi, at Madonna. Our, at, yeah. <laughs> uh, at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash crowning around or on any platform where podcasts are available. And yeah, we'll see you next time, hopefully with uh, something a little bit more uh, entertaining for you. And God save the king. God, God save, save the, the king. king.